Welcome to Critics on a Bus. I am your host Cameron, and in each episode I'll be joined by a guest critic as we review in detail the latest films and TV shows live and unscripted, giving our thoughts, theories, and finally scores. Spoiler warning throughout, let's get stuck in. Welcome to a brand new episode of Critics on a Bus. I'm very excited for this episode. This might be the biggest film of the year, so much so that I've brought in two guests to try and tackle this film. First of all, we have returning to the fray all the way from the States is Nate. Hello. Hello, everybody. I, li- I like that you waved in case people can see. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have Dan in the hot seat as well. Hi, Dan. Hi, yeah. Hello. How are we? We are good. So, today I'm going to get straight. We're reviewing The Batman. I am very excited to talk about this film. It's been maybe, what, 26 hours since I watched it, and I'm dying to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) This film was one of the reasons that Nate even agreed to be on the podcast because you really (laughs) wanted to talk about this film, isn't it? It is true. I I made a very specific, I wouldn't say ransom request, but something along those lines. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll, I will do. I basically threw myself at Cameron's that I will do whatever you want as long as I get to review the Batman movie in March. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so a long time I, coming, hasn't it? Like, was it supposed to be out in uh, October of last year? Is that right? I don't know. Yeah, so many, so many films get pushed back. I don't. I can't keep track. Of it feels like the trailer was like years ago. <laughs> it was actually. I do. I do remember that it was pushed back a lot, and I kept getting sadder and sadder. <laughs> but yes it was supposed to be out in october yes which would fit the the time that the film is set as well so i I was kind of it got i was like oh yeah this would have been great on halloween yeah it's very true absolutely okay so the batman who is in this film that people might know Well, I think the biggest kind of headline with this movie was the casting itself of Robert Pattinson as the Batman. Yep. I think it generated a lot of it generated a lot of press, both good and bad. But I think kind of in a way served served him really well in that a lot of people started going to see some of his other films that he was in, other than the Twilight movies, which I believe he hates more than anybody else. <laughs> to be fair though, I I know him from Harry Potter more than I know him from Twilight. I was never, I was never particularly worried. I'd, I'd seen him in a, a couple of things. Oh, is it the Remember Me? Which wasn't a particularly good film, but he was good in it. So I, I was never particularly worried. I thought he'd, he'd bring. I mean, after Ben Affleck, and I got all, no, oh, no, he won't ever work as Batman, and then he ended up be, being the best thing about those movies. Um, <laughs> I learned to keep my mouth quiet. So, <laughs> yeah, I felt the same way. I remember when they first cast him. I was like, that sounds terrible. And then I had a friend that I was talking to about it. And he's like, no, you actually need to go watch some of his other movies. He does a bunch of these kind of smaller, really kind of unique roles. And the big one that he told me about was watching Good Time, which was filmed by the Safdie brothers who did Uncut Gems. Is that the one where he's blonde? Yes. Yeah, he has, he's blonde. Oh, and, yeah, and yeah. He's, I remember he's seeing it. That heist kind of a heist movie, kind of a chase movie. But yeah, and, and obviously The Lighthouse one of my favorite movies of the last couple of years. I, I thought a brilliant job in that movie. I haven't seen it, but I really want to, based on how he was as the Batman. So. And don't forget that he was in Tenet in a Christopher Nolan movie, which is, you know, the big thing for most for most actors, in my opinion. Also, with Robert Pattinson, we have 
Zoe Kravitz. She plays Selena Kyle. Jeffrey Wright plays Jim Gordon. Colin Farrell. He plays Oswald Cobblepot or the Penguin in, frankly, an unrecognisable role. You, you didn't know it was him. You no. wouldn't know it was him. Absolutely. I could not well, tell you that was him. I, I leaned over to my wife because she was like, she was like, who is that? And I was like, it's Colin Farrell. And <laughs> yeah, she had the same reaction. She's like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's genuinely completely unrecognizable. You've also got Paul Dano playing the Riddler and Andy Serkis, who plays Alfred. Um, Andy Serkis returning to work with Matt Reeves, the director from Planet of the Apes. He, Andy Serkis famously mo- big motion capture person and played Caesar in the in his Planet of the Apes films. Yeah. A uh, big, big surprise for me was was John uh, Turturro being in this film. I, I hadn't heard that he'd been cast in this movie. Yep, I was exactly the same. Really, a lot of names as you as you scroll through here. Peter Sarsgaard playing a small role, but a lot of a lot of very big names in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's quite it's quite a stack list, and we'll talk about them in detail in a little bit. Don't worry, don't you worry. Um, this film was also, of course, directed by Matt Reeves, who, like I said earlier, you will know from the Planet of the Apes movies, particularly. I think our his big most known films as a director he also did cloverfield oh, um, absolutely love i've always loved that film the other person i want to mention is the composer michael michael Giacchino. yeah he i was looking through his his um his song his song list his his film list his composer list earlier and he has done some pretty big hitters i didn't even know he existed really if you don't know who Michael is, you might recognize his work from such popular films as Ratatouille or Up, Inside oh, wow. Out, The Incredibles no, 2. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's actually a massive Pixar collaborator. And he also did the J.J. Abrams Star Trek films. Oh, he did a little He did a little film called Rogue One. Yep. He's also done this trilogy, I think it's called the Spider-Man trilogy with Tom yeah, Holland. Yeah, you know, legend um, has it that he's done yeah. that. You know, I th- so... Wasn't that one of the biggest films of all time recently? Um, really? Well, I've never uh, heard of that one. Uh, yeah, so but, but look it up. It might it might be around somewhere. You might you might have heard of it. Hold on, I think we need to check ourselves here. How have we not? Uh, how have you have you not heard of him? Like look, look at all this stuff. <laughs> He's done. I know. Jurassic World, of course. Oh well. Like, that, yeah, he's not a name as a composer that you that you immediately recognize. He's not like a Hans Zimmer, and he's not a mm. these kind of John Williams or um, recently the the guy who's been doing the Mandalorian, who's been in everything, uh, Ludwig Göransson, yeah. who's kind of one of these big names. But I mean, I, with this list of movies, I don't know if you can say he's under the radar, but he's but <laughs> very he quietly. Is, he he's done some of the biggest films in the past like five ten years and we've told to be like yeah music is all right <laughs> he's think, created some of the most iconic soundtracks that's like 10 years in cinema and we're like yeah, yeah some, i think it's some because, dude like, did it. he's he doesn't have he, he doesn't seem to have a particular genre or style um that he seems wedded to like Hans zimmer if i heard an, a Hans zimmer song it wouldn't matter what the film was i'd not i'd recognize it immediately there's something Hans zimmer-esque about it Whereas he creates some really kind of world-specific sounds, I think. And that's not saying that Hans Zimmer isn't good, of course. He's amazing. But yeah, he's got quite, quite, uh, I think he was a very good choice. Do you guys have any fun facts about the Batman that you want to start with? I'll I'll, I'll, I'll go first. I I just thought it was worth us pointing out the fact that this has been on quite a journey. And 
like originally the original conception of the Batman as the as a detective story, which is kind of what we end up getting, was originally going to be with Ben Affleck in, and it just kind of made me think about like how different that film, that kind of film, would have been with Ben Affleck's Batman, which it obviously has connections to the Justice League. I don't think it would have. I, I, I can't imagine what it would have been like. But it, originally, that was what it was going to. That was the conception, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a Ben Affleck led and directed film originally before it all went downhill. Oh, Affleck do do films like The Town, which is a great movie. If y'all if y'all haven't seen that, I'm looking for a nice uh, crime thriller to throw on the on the list. The Town is a is a great movie that that he um, acted in and led. But I don't think I think like Dan said, I I can't really picture how that would have how it would have fit, and I don't know that it would have fit very well. I think his Batman ended up just being a completely different direction than than what that film would have required. So looks like it all worked out in the end. But <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, interesting interesting fact that I saw just quickly is it has been 30 years since batman returns and it was actually this film actually came out close to the anniversary of the release of that one um the tim burton batman returns which also featured catwoman and the penguin so oh, yeah fantastic yeah, interesting interesting little synchronicity there but you've got way more relevant fan facts than i do <laughs> what's yours gonna be um my <laughs> What I found back was that I learned at the premiere that Jason Momoa, Aquaman, yeah. is is the stepfather of Zoe Kravitz. I heard that too. Blew my mind. It, yeah. it blew my mind. I was genuinely like, what? And yeah, so her and Channing Tatum, who she was dating, were like, were, were on a, a mission for Team Zozo, as they call it, and headed out, like, just off last minute to the premiere in New York during the week. And I just, just the fact that it was Jason Momoa was her stepfather, just, I don't know, it just shocked me a little bit. <laughs> just, like, imagine having that j- gentle bear as your stepfather. It just, it's just really funny. <laughs> and I just, I just did a little Google, um, Jason Momoa is nine years older than Zoe Kravitz, so... <laughs> Oh, oh. <laughs> minefield. Is that, that's an interesting dynamic, for sure. Yeah, so that is my, my fun fact. Quick summary for you then, for the film itself. Um, the Batman is a crime psychological thriller Batman film based on the second year of Batman's work in Gotham City, as the city is rocked by a mysterious serial killer who's claiming to try and, and force change throughout all of Gotham. And it's up to Batman and the, the GCPD to try and figure out his riddles um who he's killing why he's killing them and save the city you know as as he's always done is, is save gotham city from the the serial killer that is known as the riddler and that's really the the extent of that's all i want to go into in this point of the film that's all you need to know going into it so with that from now on all the embargoes are lifted we can talk about what we want however we want i want to start talking about robert patterson first of all i want to talk about him as the batman his performance in this was not what i expected i i really love that they didn't do his origin story i don't think we needed it we all know who batman is we know why he does what he does we've seen it we we know it we didn't need to see martha and thomas wayne being killed like it's all happened i loved that robert pattinson kind of portrayed bruce wayne as his secret identity really like he is the batman and he sometimes goes out dressed as bruce wayne is, (laughs) is how i felt his portrayal was and i thought that was great i think you know there's been such a, a microscope on on robert pattinson this whole time everyone really this was the question is what's he going to do how is he going to do and i think he lived up to all of it so yeah i agree i agree completely um i thought it was really interesting that it w- 
he was the Batman uh, for most most of the film. Um, I thought that was I thought that was the right right choice actually. It was quite nice to see. We've we've seen with the Bale one and uh, recently Batfleck. We've seen the kind of the Bruce Wayne Batman dynamic and the kind of the public persona. It was far more interesting for me to kind of get in, 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 invested in the the crime narrative and and naturally Batman would be the one that would be the focus there and. I feel like it, it was Batman's it was Batman's story and I think he carried it. I think he's got he's got a really nice really nice arc. Um I don't know whether anyone wants to talk about the way he's introduced, but I thought the way that he was introduced was particularly strong. But I don't know. What did people think of that? Yeah, I mean I, I was nervous going into this. I was I was hopeful. If if you spoke to me before and you know that I was really scared going into this film, based on the trailers alone, that I was like, is Robert Patterson gonna be my favourite Batman? <laughs> was really scared that Robert Pattinson um, would become like a favorite in my life so there was a lot riding on this I should also preference this by saying that Batman is my favorite superhero the whole Batman thing I mean obviously people know I'm obsessed with the Joker and that kind of and the whole villain side of the Batman universe but Batman is my favorite superhero always has been and, and always will be and so there's a lot of pressure on on Robert Pattinson to get this right and something I really liked that he does is he portrays a very flawed superhero throughout the film this Robert Pattinson makes mistakes he isn't always great if you noticed in one of the if not the only flying scene that he has <laughs> he's scared to jump off the top of the, that building you know he doesn't just kind of I leap know. off in out of faith of cape off he goes he's like oh and like has his, you know, gets his wingsuit out and gets ready to go. And and there's and there's, there's quite a few other times where he's not picture perfect. And he really portrays this kind of raw, angry, kind of hothead who's just going into it for vengeance, for some sort of real crusade that's not quite settled in himself yet. And I think I do think we need more time with Robert Pattinson's Batman. But I really like where he's going. I don't yeah, think absolutely. I don't think he as himself is necessarily completely comfortable as Batman yet. I think how this film is perceived will dictate a lot of that how he feels going forward but i really like the direction he's taking this kind of angry flawed really scary batman in a way just like dan alluded to his introduction of always just wanting to really instill pure fear into criminals yeah I feel this, like this is the first introduction uh, of, yeah. of batman i think yeah it was brilliant just that that slow like those first couple shots where you don't even, he's not actually even there and it's just his narration over the background and it's that slow zoom into just like a dark alley and it, I, this is the first i think matt reeves and and the and the music from our friend michael um <laughs> they they did such a good job of of really making you feel like the criminals like you actually are scared of this batman this is the first time i think like they always talk about like oh i want to make you know criminals fear me and that was a big element of like batman begins the scarecrow and fear and all but this is like the first one it's like this guy is yeah <laughs> like i would be i would be scared to be out and and be a criminal in gotham with with this guy running around because you know nobody really knew what he was capable of this is just two years into him being batman and that first introduction where he goes in and he just thrashes these 
ape that is. <laughs> and it's just this really raw fight scene that I thought was really great. And then he turns around to the mugging victim and, and this guy is like more scared of Batman than he is of the criminals. And I, I thought they just, that was um, just played really well that, you know, he is this terrifying presence in the city. It, it reminded me very much of, I know this comparison is almost inevitable because it, it had a massive impact on how people perceived Batman beyond the comics, but it was very out of Arkham. It was mm. very kind of each punch like that landed was ferocious. It was ferocious, but it wasn't overtly stylized as well. At the same time, it was very fluid, and it was a really kind of quite. It's quite a morose start to the film, actually. Um, of course, we get the bit with Riddler, the Riddler first, but I did think it really set the kind of the drab tone and I make I say not make, make it sound like it's really bad but no I, I thought it was really consistent that they were like this is very different to you know your Bale your, your Affleck your Keaton it, it did feel quite different what I think what I think is interesting if you compare our Pat to Bale is that they both really try to go for really realistic right so like mm. ben affleck goes for the kind of the very hyper realistic to be part of the justice league you can't yeah. you know obviously be very realistic and then you know have the flash and superman around you it just wouldn't work but these ones both try to go for really realistic but i think about this earlier christian bell goes for very clean high tech whereas this one goes for very grungy low tech so he's not got all these things that kind of appear if like if you look at his suit he's got pouches that really stick out you know you hear the yeah. squeak of the leather when he turns his head or his cape <coughs> ruffles or his boots crunch on the ground whereas with bale it'd be very kind of all kind of hidden or you know very sleek and contained and this somehow was even more realistic than the realistic christopher nolan trilogy and I think it, it ext- yeah. I think it extends to how they they view the two the two universes viewed their Bruce, uh, Bruce Wayne's because Bruce Wayne is very much a public persona in in the in the Nolan universe very much kind of using his wealth to exercise change but also he's he, he, I think he kind of kind of enjoys having that double life whereas you get this, the sense with Robert Pattinson's Bat, Batman he's very much Bruce Wayne rather he's very much a, he's a recluse he hasn't got an interest in upholding his family's legacy at this point um so it, it kind of made sense that it would be a lot more more internal a lot more gr- uh, grungy a lot more kind of i like that word grungy a lot more um kind of kind of brought together kind of um hodgepodge of stuff it didn't it doesn't feel like like massively wealthy yeah yeah absolutely i i I really liked it in that you know i was thinking about it like if someone you know living in gotham wayne manor first of all in in this movie they did a really good job of really playing in that gothic like he it looks like he's living in a cathedral like (laughs) and he's living in the center of gotham city isn't he he's living in wayne living in wayne tower wayne tower but it it is that really you know ornate he's like a he's like a gargoyle up on top of you know this castle you know he's this he's this creature living in this in this house and you can see how that kind of affects him and you know and i think about that you know someone who is that way has lost his parents is this insane amount of wealth he probably wouldn't be you know this like suave playboy billionaire that he's been in the past he you know he's a weirdo like <laughs> he is just this really odd 
weird guy that nobody really understands. And like when he goes later on and he has this funeral scene where he shows up and the people are starting to take pictures of him. They're like, oh crap, like Bruce Wayne is like out in public like this. And he just looks weird and he's, you know, kind of hunched in on himself. And um, really, I, I just, there's so much about this that is so different from other portrayals we've seen, but it really feels authentic and it really just makes sense. But then he, he totally changes as Batman. He becomes this just dark and, you know, that's kind of where his confidence kind of comes out as, as Batman and that anger, like, like Cameron was saying how he, he, you know, he has all these really raw emotions and he's just out there doing it. One of my favorite scenes is when he, when he just knocks on the door of the club that he's trying to get into to talk to the penguin and the guy opens the door and he's like, do you know who I am? <laughs> and he's like, this is great. He's just like in Batman costume, just knocks on the door and just like, let me in. <laughs> And I just thought that was so different, and I thought that was so great. Absolutely, and I I loved the I loved the suit as well. I really liked the 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 bat symbol weapon that we were all kind of hoping was a weapon, and it was a a knife, a kind of a batarang in his chest that he brings out throughout the film, and just how yeah, like the confidence, like he literally just walks into gunfire with it. He's got such confidence in his his suit, but then also just the, the all the the little bits inside it. And then I really want to know what those things on his forearms are. He doesn't use them. No, I, I, I thought they, they were either. I thought they were just like the grapple things. Like you pull one out and put it in his. Oh yeah. Oh okay. yes, yes, yeah, that makes sense. That certainly oh. makes a lot of sense. But like I, I love how practical that suit felt and all the different things and even at, at the end where he has I want to say he's using venom but I don't know what he's using. Yeah, um, what was that? Where he uses that that he has like a little like cylinder in his his leg yeah. to like kickstart him if he's ever down. I was like that's so genius because he's not a superhero Batman isn't he? he's just a bloke who can fight really well and has lots getting, of money. I was getting lots of like um uh Titan like Arkham Asylum vibes there. I was just like Titan, is that yeah. right? Am I am I reading that right? That's, that's how I read it because it was green it's a kind of green liquid that boosted his uh, abilities to 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 work. <laughs> but it, his suit was so well thought out. Uh, as well and it just really fitted him i loved the wingsuit i thought that was so cool <laughs> like i i love don't get me wrong i loved i love the christian bale one where it, you know it has the the pop out wings and they explain it and morgan freeman or lucius fox is like you know explains what's behind it but i loved that like you're saying it's just that low tech it's it's just a wingsuit like we've, we've seen people base jump before and <laughs> i thought that was that awesome that moment where he He's like trying to lean over the edge and he's psyching himself up and and just starts flying through um, the GoPro. In, the GoPro footage was a little weird for me. Yeah. Yeah. That was odd. That was an odd choice. It was an odd choice. Like it is it kind of cool, but it was like that doesn't really fit. But I thought it was cool that. And then there's the quick shot from the trailer where he, you know, kind of screens past that window. Um, just a cool scene. I'm getting a sense that you didn't like that, Cameron. I mean, I, I, I'm a little bit traditional in that I quite like the cape is functional yeah because it did seem a bit like why have a cape then <laughs> is it just for the drama um because the cape seemed to serve no purpose yeah in, i agree actually. in himself and so i was whilst it was cool it was a bit like but batman can fly with his cape so there was like <laughs> a little bit of like my kind of his history of batman wanting him to be able to just kind of i i genuinely because I, I expect them to just kind of go dive 
swan dive off the building and then his cape would just flutter out in some, yeah, yeah. I don't know, in some way and, and do that. But it was a different take, and maybe, but maybe that's an evolution of the character. Maybe he's not ready to fly yet. Yeah. So I felt like it, that's what it was. I felt like it was a reminder of yeah, he's only he's only in year two, and it and it was a much moment, much needed moment of levity. To be honest with you, yeah, no, I I got it, but I'm with you in the sense that I'm like ah, oh, I really wanted to see the like proper gliding scene, but you know, like we've seen it before, so yeah, we've got to try something new. Absolutely. Okay, let's move on because we could talk we could talk about him for hours. I think. <laughs> to the other big half of this film which is the Riddler the villain your film's only as good as the villain and Paul Dano as the Riddler I knew that was going to be a good choice watching Prisoners and seeing how his character kind of played there and right from that first scene you get how horror-esque this film is going to be when he just appears standing behind the mayor you know you're in for a good villain at that I moment. jumped out of my seat it was very embarrassing <laughs> in <cinema>, like <laughs> I love that. You know, when when you just see like the glint off of yes. his off his spectacles in the background, I th- I thought for half a second that they were gonna do the white eyes on the Batman costume for just a moment when they did that, and then I, then you then I realized that, no, it's the it's the it's the Riddler. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I thought that was that was interesting, but um, very scary. Yes, very scary portrayal. I thought it was. <laughs> oh yeah. This this is a portrayal of the the Riddler. I've always been wanting though because the riddler is meant to be smarter or as smart as the batman right that's this whole thing he's this incredible genius edward digma is really really clever and always sets these like diabolical riddles that have real death-defying consequences for people and they've just okay admittedly the riddle has only been done once in live action with jim carrey's performance in that let's not mention Joel Schumacher Batman films and so it didn't really kind of give the character very good and even in Gotham the 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 Fox TV show he wasn't properly utilized there but he was overshadowed by Oswald Cobblepot in that in that TV show anyway but I always thought that the really would be great as a he needed to be really scary to be really worth it he really needed to have this kind of this guy has real consequences to his actions and I I felt that they gave this Riddler that his his actions and his motives had real consequences to people. People lost their lives, they exposed things, and in the end, he technically succeeded. He did blow up the city and started killing a bunch of people, you know, through through proxy and and also things. He technically won in a way. The only person he didn't really kill was Bruce Wayne out of all the ones he wanted and so like they really gave that that the weight to, to the riddler in this film and i loved it really loved it absolutely it's it's that that's one thing i've i've always really liked about the riddler is he has he's he has this compulsion to leave behind clues for his crimes like he he has to like leave some way to take credit for them you know what i mean like he didn't if he could just do these things you know still expose the corruption still you know do all that thing but he he leaves clues he's like come and try and find me try and figure this out like i like just daring and and wanting someone to acknowledge how smart he is and how brilliant his plans are and part of his character that i've always really loved He's he's generating a lot of a lot of press about this portrayal. There there were times I felt there was a it was a little much on the kind of quote unquote his his crazy person voice. You know what I mean? Like he had this tended like to draw out his his words and kind of 
change his pitch and then and yell and, and all these things and um i think there were there were times I, I would have actually liked him to kind of rein it in a little bit and just be like this just very like monotone kind of tone i think would have kind of served in some spots better where he's it shows that you know he's he's crazy but he's in control and he he knows what he's doing but paul dano is is great <laughs> he really is see i think i think that's the exact reason i i, I liked it so much was because uh, I, I was a bit worried that it, like you said, that I think sometimes there, there was an opportunity to rein it in. But I think the way that they kind of translated him as this kind of like, frankly, sad little incel type on the Internet. I thought that was quite that made sense that he was this kind of like complete. He, he has no emotional um, control whatsoever. Um, he's obsessive and it and it, 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 it was it was terrifying because he was so pathetic in, in in many ways like he was always terrifying but you kind of got the sense that he was just like this little internet he grew from this like internet person that got really 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 cross and like his little incel group that build I thought it was really and at times he was quite petulant as well and like he got very cross when Batman wasn't like playing ball or wasn't doing it properly and I liked the idea that they retained that he's kind of like you've got to play the game properly notion from previous iterations but also I like the way that they situated him for like the, the 2020s. If if that does that make sense? I'm not sure. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he loved to live stream his his issues, and um, the scene at the funeral was particularly strong. Yeah. Just kind of just kind of building that whole kind of tension relationship, having Gil like suicide bombed with the weird, the crazy contraption, so kind of Riddler, and then, you know, live streaming the, the video chat with Batman and himself to the world and, and all sorts of things and, and having that conversation and really kind of drawing out that sort of message that he had or whatever he was trying to, you know, his his crusade and using the power of social media to try and influence change and try and create a bigger following and a bigger sort of kind of belief in his mission. Because the thing that's crazy about the Riddler in this film is that he took direct inspiration from the Batman. Mm. Is that the reason the Riddler is doing what he's doing is because he saw the Batman trying to create change and was like, oh, it's not fast enough, it's not strong enough, it's not the right things, and I'll do it myself. I'll take his kind of vigilante nonsense and I'll do it myself. It just so happens his vigilante nonsense, including bludgeoning people to death, tying them up, strapping them to bombs, killing them with rats, all sorts of things, you know. <laughs> I know you'll never have seen these films and never ever will, Cameron, and you know, that's probably the, the best, but it sort of frightened me how much they leaned on the Saw films. It's it like some of the way that like the particularly the rat the rat trappy sort of thing with uh, was it the commissioner? Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. that was straight out of Saw that was. It was very frightening. Very Yeah, frightening. these Saw or, or Seven Yes. With the David Fincher film. There's a television series with Mads Mikkelsen where he plays Hannibal. Oh, I love that I series. It's a brilliant, but it's it's that very like macabre, like super elaborate, grisly, but you know, in in his mind it's these artistic ways of, you know, like we've said, you know, showing how smart he is and how, you know, able he is to figure this out. The clues I thought were brilliant. Yeah. Um, just each one had so many like that first clue where you know they they pulled a cipher and it pulls that word drive right and that one clue leads them to like four different things i thought that was so brilliant like he's 
you know, it really showed. I he's smarter than Batman, really, in this movie. He is. He is brilliant in how he lays all these double meanings and entendres and clues and, and all these things. Well, I mean, he, he sets up an impossible scenario for Batman t- to win. He sets up the the bombs in the trucks and the doppelgangers in the in the center. So like, and he, he plans to get caught. Yeah. Because he, he says in the interview with Batman, we'll both be safe here in Arkham. And that's when Batman realizes that, oh crap, <laughs> something's about to go down. And he, right. you know, and, and he sets it up. And that's what said that he, he actually wins in, in it. He, he doesn't get real change, but in not the way he intended <laughs> in the end, um, by, you know, creating Batman as a symbol of hope instead of fear, you know, and then kind of shifting that the narrative on Batman, but his intended consequences in the short term were successful in, in killing the right people. And, and he does, Batman only figures it out until it's too late, until the bombs explode, until the people start shooting. And so he is definitely smarter than him. And, and I just think it was a great, great performance. Let's, let's, you've got a lot to get through. Let's go on to just the rest of the cast then, um, just very briefly. Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle, I thought was great. Yes. She, was. she had a very singular focus and a, a real kind of that kind of bat cat relationship that she should have with batman she's not she's nowhere near familiar enough with batman like annie hathaway was or became and she kind of still the very almost like the the cat woman i would know from the arkham games <laughs> um right. you know uses the whip which I thought was great, bringing that whip back um, to, to the role. Yeah, it was really solid performance from her. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought that Jeffrey Wright was great as Commissioner Gordon. Absolutely fantastic at that role. Like, that was top casting right there. And to step in the shoes of Gary Oldman, I don't think is ever an easy task. No. I can as an actor of knowing... <laughs> That you got to play a role that was played by by Gary Oldman would be would be hard, but he he made it his own. And I thought that was really great, and it and it did a really good job of laying the groundwork of him becoming the commissioner in the future. Oh yeah, he's lieutenant. My my bad. <laughs> I, right, and and that's the thing is is you see him really being a leader of the police force. You know, at first, really, you know, obviously is has his superiors and but challenges them. But at the end, there's that great scene where where they've arrested Falcone and they bring him out onto the balcony. And Falcone's like, no, I'm going to walk like this is great. Like, I own the police department. And it's that great moment where he brings him out on the steps and he's like, no, you don't. You know, like there's obviously some cops that that you don't have. And I thought that was an awesome win for Commissioner Gordon. And, and less so the Batman and more him showing like, you know, Gotham isn't quite you know as bad as we thought it was. And I thought that was a great moment, too, which I think for me puts me on to Falcone as a his character and his portrayal. I thought it was a lot different than what we've seen in the traditional like mob boss. He's more of just this creep. <laughs> but I thought it was great. Yeah. And he was really supported great by Colin Farrell who, like we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, was unrecognisable in... <laughs> just completely he's also, unrecognisable. He's also having the time of his life. Like, he, like he's at... he, he I, I read something and I completely agreed with it. They were like, um, it is a hammy performance, but it's the right side of hammy. Like, it's the, it's, it, it, it's the thing that kind of lifts your lifts your part of the, the kind of batman's dare it's, it's quite a nice he's quite a nice foil to him and i'd be very interested to see where they go with him and i thought it was nice that like yes he was in the film but i don't think at any point he overshadowed the riddler or any of the other action but he had a place in the film i understood why he was there 
if that makes sense. And and in the past, I've been like, oh, it's just a cameo, a glorified cameo, just to go, ha ha, we 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 know our Batman. But he was integrated very clearly. He's he's clearly not the Penguin yet, um, but you can start to see that emerging. Yeah, I thought he was great. And he might be in the HBO series that he's starring as as Oswald Cobblepot. They're doing a series about him. Following his, oh, I think really? they build, yeah, <laughs> they build. There's two spin-off shows by HBO based on this film so there's a one about the gotham gdpd or the gdpd and about couple pop so okay i had i i read something about that i didn't know if it was official or not as far as i know it's official so and then the last i I don't know how i feel about about that about the whole like films and series like i get that it's ultimately these are all businesses and they're all making money i wish they would just leave this alone as as films just let them be their own thing and let them be films and don't do the expanded universe i love that they didn't do that in this movie and i hope they continue it more but but i I did like colin farrell's the penguin so seeing more of him wouldn't hurt but you know they they could risk diluting what they've made here and taking it it's, it's a fine line of it that it's a very risky kind of trope they yes. who knows it, who knows if it'll work or not the last thing i want to talk about is andy circus as alfred just as the last character it's a very interesting relationship that they have with bruce and alfred in this film because it doesn't feel like they're friends you get the very kind of master servant sort of um even though andy circus well, alfred is devoted to bruce you don't get the sense that it until you know until he gets blown up that he's not devoted to alfred and it's a very kind of very stern and straight talking sort of alfred we get from in in this in this portrayal which is quite interesting but i think you get a sense that uh, robert patterson's bruce wayne um resents the fact that alfred is alive at the expense of his father and i mm. i think because he he kind of he, he says that line, doesn't he, that like, oh, um, you know, you're not my father. And he's just like, yeah, I am aware. Um, <laughs> uh, and I think it's only later on that when he well, obviously Alfred nearly dies, that you get that kind of sense of, oh, there's a the payoff to that tension there. Because this is this is a part of human humanising uh, the Batman and Bruce Wayne by actually him realising Oh, actually, I never thought I'd feel that again. I thought I'd shut off from those emotions. You are very important to me. And I liked that. It felt natural without being too kind of like cliche or cozy. Yeah, I I think they laid a great groundwork to really develop his character in the future. At first, I thought maybe he was kind of underutilized. But I um, like with what you said, Dan, I think it, it really does, you know, it's building that relationship. It's not quite there yet. They're not that partnership yet. It's Alfred really wants to take care of Bruce, but Bruce doesn't really care. And he's <laughs> he just wants to be Batman and listen to Nirvana in his cave. And and I thought that was a great thing. He said, you know, he resents him. He, you know, he's I don't want you to be my only link to my family. I But it's that moment he kind of snaps and he realizes Alfred's in danger and he's trying to race back in the car and, and all those things. And I wondered, you know, maybe they were going to kill him. I, I wasn't sure. I thought they did so many things different in this Batman. I thought maybe they kill Alfred. Maybe he doesn't have an Alfred. Which I think is great. I think if, if you know, through that film, if we already at the point where believing they could commit to killing alfred that's they've they've done a really good job in selling us the riddler and selling us how much of a threat he is to batman because i get the sense in this film that this is the first time batman's gone up against one of his classic enemies 
he's not had to fight anyone from his um, rogue gallery yet. This is the first time he's gone up against one. And well, so if you listen of... to Matt Reeves, maybe, maybe not. Oh, is the is the unseen prisoner previously yeah. put in there by Batman? There is the implication, yeah, but right. I, yeah, I, I like who cares about that? That isn't that isn't canon yet. Um, no. uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, to to me, this feels very much like he was. A, they were all just a bit out of their depth in what they were doing at yeah, the beginning, absolutely. and they were just having to like they had to get pick up the pace and realize, oh, okay, this is more than just a street thug. Moving on from cast, because we've generally been speaking about them for you know. 40 minutes. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Let's talk about the um, the look of the film because the aesthetic is also something very different, um, very noir and gothic. What do we guys think about how the film looked? God, I've got to say, it has one of my favourite shots of anything I've ever seen, ever. The, there's the absolutely gorgeous shot towards the end of the film with the, because it's a lot of, it's red and red, blacks and sepia as this film isn't it and mm-hmm. the the flare scene where he he leads them all out of the, the flooding kind of the the dome it honestly it was just like this kind of messiah-like image That's, but, yeah yeah i thought like, i thought the exact same thing with that scene it's like he's yeah. leading them out with the light like he is the light of these people and it was just beautiful because it, it really communicated the lesson that he learned that actually no, the vengeance is not the thing that I am. I, I I'm just it. I'm more justice. And like you know, when he's carrying the girl. He um, it's just that was just so such a big Batman moment for me, and it really made all of the kind of the moodiness worth it. Because I was just like, you've changed. You've changed throughout this film. Yeah, it, was, it was right when he turns from being a vigilante to actually being a hero and actually being what he wanted to be at the beginning. Yeah. I thought it was a great moment when he when they pulled the mask off the the Riddler devotee. It, I liked Dan's uh, incel follower. Incel yeah, group yeah, follower. Oh, they're all incels. Like it's it's the, they're all passionate. They're all it's this. Yes. If you're if you're filmer with you know U.S. events, but he's a very Ted Kaczynski Unabomber fringe society guy but you know he just punches the crap out of this guy and they pull off his mask and he's like he says the line that batman normally says you know he says i'm vengeance and there's this great click that you see in robert pattinson like oh i've been inspiring the wrong people it literally is a light bulb moment it literally you can see that what you know working on his face yeah those subtle those subtle things in his face he does a lot of great of those throughout the movie but what i loved is when he comes out on the roof and they're rescuing people that's the first time you really see the bat suit in like full detail full light yeah and he's covered in muck and he's (laughs) dirty and grimy and he's been beat and shot and all these things but it's the first time you actually see the suit like in full thing i thought that was a really cool like like you're saying with the light and he's leading him out into the light and then he's in it a lot of really cool i think metaphorical shots you can draw from the way that they stage a lot of these shots in the film uh the noir all the rain classic detective movie stuff i thought they did such a good job of that you'd be surprised it's almost not black and white it's so noir at times isn't it right (laughs) i think the use of red i thought was really cool it's very different for a Batman movie. And it's just, it's very simple of just, you know, using a color motif, but I think it had a great effect. Even even the marketing is very kind of black and red, almost making him look like the, the Hellbat. You know, they have just his silhouette with like the, the, the bat on his chest in red as like a lot of the marketing thing, which even 
if you know some Batman's like the Hell Bat is like one of like the the most like violent of the Batman iterations. Spoiler alert for Arkham Knight if you've finished that game to 100% completion. So the, there's all the, there's all those sort of things. But I just I I do like how kind of dark and menacing they made Gotham and and how gothic it was and and they kind of really leaned into that. I also loved the Batcave was a disused train station. A terminal station. I thought that was genius. It's like because I, I, you know, I didn't twig for a long time that he lived in Wayne Tower in the center of the city. And so, like, okay, you can't have a bat cave. And then when he goes down the steps and then along a railway line and then into the bat cave, I, I genuinely said in my like whispered in the cinema, I was like genius like, <laughs> having it like you know as just like this this train station underneath the building like, oh it's so good it's so clever and it wasn't flashy and huge and covered in bats and all sorts of things it was just it was like two workbenches and the car he was building <laughs> just in bits throughout the film as it as he built it you know throughout the throughout the film and you know his technology was just simple ish apart from the the eye camera i don't know which that's was very weird. complicated <laughs> yeah I don't know if that's really that was. But it, that also lends in the whole kind of voyeuristic sense of Batman and that kind of whole theme. You know, we start off with the Riddler being a voyeur and the heavy breathing as he's looking down the camera. And Batman does the exact same thing to Selena Kyle. And the only difference was the breathing was the only kind of kind of tell between the two was where, whether it was Riddler on him. And, you know, he, he leans into that with the whole kind of lens and, and see i i just i thought the aesthetic was superb for this film really and um how dark and and even during the like the the funeral scene kept even during the daylight it still felt dark and it still felt kind of worn and heavy and tired and kind of grimy the whole thing just felt really used and you you just felt like some bad guy could just pop out of a shadow at any moment that this film mm-hmm. um which is great for the for the themes reminded me a lot of the the batman animated series just everything is just dark and gray and hunched over and cold and they made gotham a character in this movie which i thought was fantastic it could vary like i was thinking at the end you know like do they pull in joaquin phoenix's joker into this because it felt like the uh, similar gotham this like dirty grungy you know kind of thing so i'm really surprised they didn't do that i've got to be honest i'm really surprised that, that those two were i know they're separate films but they 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 did have a synchronicity with each other this the the, the style yeah i was yeah. surprised by that what I loved about this whole thing was that, in essence, DC took a risk by making this a 15. I don't know, is it, what would you class it in, in America? In America, it, it held a PG-13. PG-13. So, I mean, because we don't, we don't have that, that middle between PG-13 and R. Right. And so for Mark purposes, there's a lot of films that end up being PG-13 that could benefit between, playing between those lines. Because <laughs> if, if, you, if you make an R-rated Batman, it, it limits it's 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 a weird thing in our rating system there there's this hard edge of like oh now it's a now it's an r now it's a restricted film and you you'd lose a lot of the, the mass appeal i guess of the, of the marketing part of it which i don't which is a downfall i i am <laughs> i do think we would benefit from having a 15 yeah rating so uh, it was a it was a risk in essence in, from the uk classification perspective because you know that's a lot that's a whole classification up what any batman has been beforehand mm. or, or a level of and i think they lent into it they really made it scary and 
thriller and horror-esque and dark and dangerous and it worked completely i think diluting this this film down to any other lower level would have done it a disservice it wouldn't have made it as serious and as a commentary and as telling on on certain topics as it was and i really liked that they did that whilst keeping it batman at the same time it was quite interesting because i had a i had a conversation with my partner about this and we were talking about uh, you know why was it a 15 and i was like well there's a lot of him the, the violence is okay yeah you don't see loads and loads of blood but the the implications of it are, are really horrible um mm-hmm. um but then he, uh, uh, he he kind of made the point that well hold on the dark knight that was the same the dark knight and then i remembered the dark knight there was a big controversy particularly in the uk i don't i don't know what it was like in america but actually a lot of people said that that should have been a 15 as well because the implied violence with the joker um you know with the the, the knife and things like that so it is the our, our first 15 but i kind of felt like actually oh okay stylistically it felt more moody and more akin to your 15s your seven you know your seven yeah yeah zodiac but actually the things that probably pushed it into the 15 i would i would say we're all there in the dark night i don't know what were there's more there's more language in this one than there was in the dark night that's true uh, yes yes there so was probably the, the amount of the amount of swear words in there would have would have raised the yeah rate. a very good point okay at least so yeah something i i, I want to add to that is the film length the near this is the third longest superhero film a comic book film outside of the Zack Snyder's cut of the Justice League and Avengers Endgame and yeah it's quite obvious where I'm going to go with it I think that's great I think this film needed the length to tell the story properly because there's a whole chunk two-thirds of the way in where they just sort of like focus on other things other than the riddler so there's a whole bit where they deal with kind of selena kyle kind of falcone sort of kind of story you almost forget the riddler's kind of about doing his thing because they kind of move on from that and but they you know and the plot is quite busy at certain points but i think giving it the time of day to have such a long almost three hour runtime really helps it clear up everything doesn't leave loose ends doesn't kind of rush rush through things they really they're able to take the time through everything through introducing this universe introducing the batman and the riddler selena every character and every plot gets its time of day and a shorter runtime i think again would have hurt it i know the length would put people off not everyone wants to go and sit in the cinema for three hours but i i think it's fantastic that they gave it the chance to do this what are you guys thoughts on the wrong time i did not know how long it was <laughs> i i generally i generally before i go to a movie will look at the runtime just as a you know a trivia point just be like oh that's you know know how long this movie's gonna be and then it, you know there were times where it it felt like long, but not in a way that I was like looking at my watch and being like, oh, like it's almost over. It was like, oh, they're going to continue, you know, and really, like you said, let it breathe and let it have this time to tell. It didn't rush anything, which I thought was great. You know, there was they you felt like the the intensity of it, but they let Batman be a detective. They let him walk in, look at a crime scene, do all these things, really have that process to it. But when I remember we got to the end of the film and we looked and we're like, oh, my gosh, that was a... <laughs> it's just under a three-hour movie that was so long (laughs) but we didn't we didn't realize that until the end so i guess that's a that's a good indicator of um you know not feeling dragged out i i'm a little bit half and half on this one 
I, as much as I, I enjoyed the introduction to the the Batman uh, at the start, I did find the opening took a while to get going. And I don't mean I didn't need. I guess maybe it's about more about reflect me reflecting on what actually is a Batman film. And I think I'm so used to the the, the Nolan kind of big set pieces at the start. I was a bit like. Oh, okay. Well, you know, this is quite meditative, quite slow, but slow. Not not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. But it certainly felt long to me. I mean, that might have been because honestly, I've never seen so many people get up to the toilet over and over. Honestly, <laughs> the movement in my cinema was ridiculous. Um, so I think, I think that was something that was shared. That was that a perspective that if I think about the wider audience, I think a lot of people you could feel it in the room. If that if that makes sense. I, I yes at the same time I really like that exactly as you guys have said I think it needed that space so I think it could have been tightened up a little bit I think there's a there's a lot of points where I was just like oh we're at the third act now surely it feels like and then it's like no there's something else and I get that as an escalation of the plot and I never want to be like oh I want less content but I think it could have been trimmed a little bit because I did feel it. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, we only had, I only had one weak bladder in my screening. I must admit, though, I had a giant icy from Cineworld and I was dying for the toilet when I finished. I was so glad. And I waited. I waited for the non-after credits credit thing at the end. Oh, oh, that was oh, not a good idea. It was no, it was not worth it. Not for the amount of time I needed to go to the bathroom. My goodness. So I want to talk now. Just, just what are our thoughts? We've spoken about it in drips and jabs, but what are our thoughts on the actual plot, the story? Because if yet, if you think about it, the story is actually quite busy. Um, uh, between introducing Batman and having his his arc. Um, so there's there's that thread, that subplot of there's the detective thread against the Rid- the Riddler and his crusade. There's the Selena Kyle mission for Annika. There's the Falcone Moroni GCPD story. So there's about four or five central plots all kind of stretched throughout this film. Um, so what are you guys' thoughts on the story itself? I, going into this movie, had read a lot about how, you know, it's like, oh, it's really influenced by film noir and it's and it's things like that and i i went in going like "Mm, yeah people say that people say a lot of things about their movies when they're promoting their movie because they're trying to sell their movie obviously you know said all these things i was pleasantly surprised that they really committed to that investigative side and that really that cd dark murder investigation side i wasn't expecting that to play such a big role in the film but i did like the the political thriller elements they put into it as well that it all it all tied back to to thomas wayne and the and the fund that he started and how it kind of turned into this slush fund for the criminals it was all very smart and very um none of it felt forced as far as like tying in all those elements it all was pieces of a puzzle that fit together i thought they did a great job of that i didn't necessarily need as much of the selena kyle family drama that they kind of put in that was a pleasant that was a i don't know about that it was a surprise when they were like oh well falcone is my father because that that's definitely a break from comics for sure having that kind of but it, it it extended that theme of you know fathers and parents and children and the, they all kind of had that that element of it in their stories the, the main the sins of the father sort of thing yeah if this was a if this was a batman graphic novel it would probably be called batman sins of the father is what <laughs> is what i would call it 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. We, um, I, th- I feel like it, it was all interwoven really well in a satisfying way that meant that it tied well to Bruce Wayne. I I liked how... I just, yeah, I thought it was interwoven really well. I don't think there's much more I can add there, really, except I did quite like the um, the Catwoman stuff. I was I was quite present, present. What's the word I'm looking for? Pleasantly. Thank you. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised by the like the father reveal. I thought it was really nice in terms of I think it kind of uh, touched on kind of like uh, uh, r- racial attitudes and class attitudes in quite a nice way. I loved all the CD underground and the club stuff that all like they all sort of knew each other and like the club was a way to connect to the GCPD because you've got characters that shouldn't be interacting in those places that are and yeah it all it, it, it all felt very logical and I was really surprised like you listed there Cameron like there was what five different subplots going on I was really surprised how they all were linked to because they kept going oh it's all linked it's all linked I was just like is it though and it really was so <laughs> I'll give it that yeah you've got to admit that the writing from this and I think Matt Reeves was one of the head writers on this story himself they did a they did a fantastic job they adapted some of the I think they adapted year one and the long Halloween as, as some of the main inspirations for the graphic novels in this film um, and I, when I say some of the inspirations, some of them are very loose inspirations in some of it. But all in all, considering how busy the film is, there's maybe a handful of times where that the plot feels overwhelming. And some people might get confused about why are we going here or, or where is this going? But like you said, they are able to, to link it all in. And because Batman's helping Selina, he's able to get closer to Falcone. And that will help him in dealing with the Riddler and how that connects with the GCPD and his connection with Gordon allows him to do this. And like it does all kind of web out in this kind of fantastic structure. And I just thought the plot itself was so layered and clever and you never think that the Riddler chose to get, get caught. You don't think, oh, when when he was captured, I was like, but I saw them have an interview in Arkham in a trailer. Why would they talk if he's already won? It never occurred to me that that his endgame was something completely different, something the real change about bombing the city. And you're so focused on this kind of serial killer-esque thing. You yourself, as a viewer, don't see the big picture. No, yeah, you and don't. that's that's brilliant. They've layered it in so well that you have no idea that there's there's a grander scheme going in in, in the background that even you are oblivious to, um, which well, I think is has- so good. A caveat that so you don't know until he sort of purposely gets caught, if that makes sense. You know something's not quite right there. <laughs> yeah, because there's still like forty minutes left in your film. Like they can't be. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Well, they do that. They do that great shot where they're arresting the Riddler, and Batman comes up to the window. He's surrounded by all the cops. He's looking through. Yes. The glass at the Riddler and the Riddler just looks up at him and Paul Dano does that really creepy little smile. It's just it's that moment that like, oh, this isn't, you know, this is not this quite what we thought. This is like, over. You, yeah. You can tell that he's got them where he wants them at that point. You're like, how? I would be I would be interested though in a second viewing to look and see if maybe there's a if you if he ever shows up in the background before his face reveal if he's ever yeah I it's uh, something like they, like they did in Spider Man where Jake Gyllenhaal's character yeah you know is kind of around and oh yeah 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 he's in Venice yeah something something I do yeah. want to point out though that the t- detective himself missed is how did no one think about 
to look where they got the exposing photos from. So the whole kind of one of the big things was that the joke, the Riddler lived basically opposite the Iceberg Lounge, right? Like a stone's throw away. That's where his, you know, hovel was. And so like, did yeah. no one think about going to see where they would get the pictures from? Where was the point of view? But I mean, I didn't think of that until after you go to his flat. And you're like, oh, he's been right, right there. And it's like, why did no one think to check like something like that before? And I was like, well, I didn't. <laughs> so why would I expect them to do it? I do want to talk a little, just very quickly about the car chase with the, the Batmobile. Not really a Batmobile, more like a rocket propelled <laughs> car. <laughs> I love this Batmobile. I think it is so maybe an unpopular opinion. I like this more than the Tumblr. <laughs> this is my favorite Batmobile I've Ooh. seen. This is so cool. I did Just think that, when he was when he was firing it up in the very in the first the time sound, you see it, the sound mixing on like the Batmobile. The, is the flames coming up in the hood. It looked literally like something coming out of hell. Just sort of, it was great. Because <laughs> it it adds it's it's the you know it's another thing like people see the batmobile they're gonna mess their pants like it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah. i love the batmobile i love this batmobile so much i get the sense it's just a fast car that's probably a bit armor-plated that's probably about the extent of the car but the scene the chase scene was great mm. because it wasn't clean like i said he stalls at the very beginning when he fires it up he's about to go and then he cuts out did you notice that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and then he chases after him and he makes a few wrong turns and bangs a few trucks and a few wheels with other things on his way. It's not it's not a clean fight. It's it's a real kind of like it's a dirty fight, yeah. which I think is great. I wish it hadn't been in the trader so much though, because it was such a cool moment that I was just like, Oh, but I've seen it. I've seen most of this before. Um, yeah. The scene where like the the penguins upside down and Batman's walking mm. behind the flames, like I get why they use that as a promo shot because it is so cool. Rid- ridiculously cool. But the yeah, the the motions you could have had that's why I think I only watched two of the Batman trailers after that I stopped because I was like, I can't, I can't risk being spoiled too much. I can't risk them giving away too much. And even the things I did see, like I said, I was waiting for that conversation in Arkham. I, yeah. you know, I knew the, the car chase was coming. I didn't know what would lead up to it and all the different things. And so there was a bit of like, they, they gave away a bit too much yeah, for they to be like did. wowed in, in the cinema, but it was still cool. And I still are probably going to see it in Monday, um, maybe Thursday or Friday. And then maybe more times after that. But <laughs> how did you have that much time? Three hours. Three hours. I'll do it. <laughs> I love the shot. There's so many great shots mm. in this movie. Um, again, Cin- like you're talking about the player. The cinematography. Absolutely. Beautiful shots. But that, that shot from the car chase where he's walking, it's that upside down perspective and he just sees the footsteps coming closer and closer. Um, a, theme, a motif, I guess they did before is there's that that dark shot and you hear batman his footsteps coming before you see him yeah there's a lot of that i love that they they were recurring shots and recurring themes they did such a good job of bringing those through the movie just just great stuff i'm on a hard time like just not saying oh this was great oh this is great (laughs) okay yeah and and dan anything to add on the cinematography of this film because I mean, I just, I agree. I think it was outstanding, to be honest. Just that it was gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Talking about the music then. I thought the music for this film was outstanding. I I love the theme 
for Batman. Batman's theme itself is brilliant and through just throughout the film because that's like the layered one of the like the layered motifs throughout the score is is that kind of the the sound of of the batman theme is is there quite often throughout a lot of things and yeah i thought i thought just this the whole score in general was so strong and so at times creepy or it just it built every character up i think in a really good way I don't know what you guys thought on the, on the music. I mean, I've been listening to it today and it's just so cool. Um, did they, oh, did they, did they lean on the motif a little bit too much? Maybe, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's a fantastic motif, but it, it, it did sort of kind of like every time there was a big piece, it would appear. No, I don't know. Um, it, no, it's really good. Like, no, I don't want to nitpick. Um, it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I could kind of come on board with that a bit that there there was a times where I felt like it was maybe it was that same kind of chord progression it um it reminded me of uh of like the funeral march that you hear a lot yeah which which may have been intentional but that that kind of minor key um thing but what I what I did like is in the scenes where Selena Kyle her kind of theme that plays in was a very nice counterpoint to it where it's it's a very it was a light kind of violins coming in the back and it really played in her character very well, and I thought they did a great job there. It it, it does it does feel very um, like it was just that one theme they carried through the entire movie. So I thought maybe yeah, I I could I could see that a bit, Dan. It, uh, change change up a little bit, you know, have some more growth to it. But I really liked Selena's theme that yeah, played a very nice touch to it. I I I I didn't think they'd actually put Nirvana in the actual film. I thought that was just trailer exclusive, but they put it in twice no less, um, as if to really go look. Look, this is a really good song. It's a really good cover. <laughs> it is. It's been in my head since the film, though. I've, yeah, me. Mark, I've just been good. doing the in my head all day. It's been really annoying. Can, we, can you just repeat that? No, that's a one-time only performance. Okay. <laughs> well, once it's in there, it, it stays in there. Absolutely. I just, yeah, I think it it was such a, a strong score, and yeah, it it just fit everything. It was just, it's a really great, um, great great work there from our friend Mark, michael he seems to be again a hot take i think he's a, a next big thing watch out for him in the in the, in the film school in the industry. Call, calling it early guys calling it early <laughs> right in michael right into the po- uh, podcast please please tell us um about your next project <laughs> <laughs> okay you can move on from these small independent films he's been doing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. do we touch on the cameo at the end or do we not want to <laughs> The thing is, there was there was a lot of different hints dropped throughout this film. If you don't know, um, Edward Elliot, the reporter that was killed by Falcone, is the father of Thomas Elliot, who becomes Hush. Hush was a thing flashed on the screen during the Riddler's expose video about the Wayne family and the Arkham family. So they've dropped a cameo, like a, a hint of Hush in there, which would be really cool to deal with. Hush has never been dealt with um, in a film. True. There is the unseen Arkham prisoner as the official um character name at the very end of the film who becomes a friend to the Riddler. Barry Keegan. Yeah, of Eternals. Of Eternals recently. Or Dunkirk. Clearly unable to hide his Irish accent no matter what role he's doing. Yes, what do you guys think of he was he filmed two scenes apparently. Yeah. And um one was I think where you see him was cut from the film and this is the one that remained. What do we think of the potential teaser? Oh, it was a bit eye rolling. It was a bit like the studio were like, oh, 
the joke is really big at the moment. Make sure you put it in the film. Uh, if it had been Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, I'd have I'd have lost my mind. No, uh, I, I, know I, dis- I disagree there. I think leave Joaquin's not the Joker. Leave him alone. Yeah, I mean he's had it. Is he just just he, he <laughs> <laughs> no? I, no, I, t- I tell you why because it, it for me it felt like something that the, the rest of the movie had had completely avoided, and I was really really pleased with it it felt a bit sequel baity and i was a bit like i thought we were above that above that this film um in this film but yeah it it, it, it was okay but it, it it wasn't it didn't set the world alight here's my thing he shouldn't appear in the next film i agree you drop this cameo now but you build him up to be the ultimate villain in the last one he does yeah my, one of my things about the Dark Knight trilogy is nothing could top the Joker after the Dark Knight. Mm. Like not just not just performance wise, because Heath Ledger's you know performance was transcendent above most other acting performances in, in history of cinema. But nothing, you know, Bane was never really going to be. The, the plot became too flashy compared to what we had with the Joker. And I think if you want to build up this kind of, especially with the way this this Batman is make the joker the like the ultimate showdown at the very end this should be the thing that makes or breaks him as a hero at the very end of his like cycle and he's in arkham leave him there leave yeah. him there until the very last moment until we're we're dying for it make hush or someone else the thing the, the thing that they could do um, with hush is now they've spoiled his father was killed by the wayne so now that's out there in the public maybe that's what drives thomas Elliot to go after bruce wayne and do what hush does and, and and ruin bruce wayne as a character and really draw the the shift of, of batman versus bruce wayne and, and and that thing and make that the second film if they do a second one i know that's in talks but not confirmed and make the joker the last villain he fights that's how they sell this i agree with dan i i didn't really care for it i don't think it was needed i didn't think i mean i agree by the way i don't think it was needed either right right and i and i agree with you i think it would be a great to have him you know we talk when you, when you talk about these kind of films and comic movies and and kind of these big blockbusters, you, you kind of you know we've talked in the already about how it you know Zodiac and Seven are obviously inspirations for it. Um, maybe I think a great inspiration would be have the Joker be your Hannibal Lecter, have him be in there. He's this menacing presence in there because that I believe from what I read that was what the scene that Matt Reeves cut was a that kind of feel where he goes into Arkham interviews and is trying to build a profile on the riddler so he goes and he talks to this unnamed arkham prison it's you know the joker he goes and talks (laughs) to him trying to build this profile and i i think that'd be kind of interesting to have him be a presence but not be the active threat i think that'd be a great idea honestly cameron which he has done there he's done in comics and other animated films beforehand he's done that yeah. had that as like a he's incarcerated and so they have this kind of weird relationship in prison the beginning of the killing joke is when they couldn't you know oh, if they did the killing joke i'd lose my mind but the the killing joke comic graphic novel film animated film however it starts off with the joker in prison and they have that kind of relationship and it's when he breaks out that causes that kind of kerfuffle so they could do yeah. something like that they could use him yeah as a as a kind of confidant in the second film to become a villain in the third I love that idea of like a Hannibal Lecter sort of yeah like that that would be really super cool because um, we'd be getting something fresh then 
Um, because if like, and I agree totally that he shouldn't be in the second one. Otherwise, it really is the Dark Knight aping the Dark Knight, isn't it? It's the second one. Like you can't help but make those comparisons as much as try as hard as you like. The general audience are not going to not make. They, they will definitely make those comparisons. Yeah, I would so, like Reeves continue to do what he did and really change our perspective on the Riddler. Pick a different. Batman has so many, that's the thing that always appealed to me most about Batman is he has so many great, really well-developed, it's like it's like James Bond, the villains are the, the really developing aspect of him. You know, there's so many great ones, like let's let's see his take on, you know, go, go deep and like pick one that's never been in a movie before, or let's, let's redeem Mr. Freeze and take him out of <laughs> the memory yes. of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because if you watch, um, I grew up watching the animated series and the Mr. Freeze storyline in that is this really cool, beautiful storyline where, you know, it's, you know, he's a sympathetic character and he's, he's, you know, he's, he's, a, he's almost, to... he's almost an anti-hero at times, isn't he? That sometimes right. he saves yep. Batman or saves Gotham and, and does these different things. I'd love, I'd love to see their take on her just, maybe just like go like really out and left field and do like i don't even know like calendar man or one of these ones that you like nobody's ever heard of beyond yeah. like us I, I i saw something recently where they could they could do a poison ivory who makes drugs and is a drug you know a drug peddler and and yeah, where the drops come from in this film yeah or... this really dangerous narcotic that she she creates and, and distributes and things like that there's all sorts of things they, they could do but yeah i think doing something that hasn't or... been done in oh I thought I thought that's what they were doing. The Court of Owls is really, really brief because I know we're, we've been talking for so long. <laughs> but the Court of Owls is basically like Gotham and DC's like Illuminati. They're the yeah. super wealthy, super powerful behind the scenes control thing. And one of the one of the cards that the Riddler gives to the Batman when he's like, who is it? Like, you know, yeah. and it's it's Ooh, a whole yeah. And I thought like, oh, are they going to do, are they going to lead up to Court of Owls? I think that would be, I think that'd be a cool direction because you could play that over several films. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that also ties into my last question. Did we think there's going to be a sequel? I think we all hope there's going to be. It sounds like it. I think everyone seems pretty on board with it. Yeah, it will be. It, it's been received so well. I don't imagine that DC, I think DC will take what they can get at this point. And they will yes. latch on to anything that oh you like this let's let's make more yes just just leave Matt Reeves alone um, speaking of how well it's been received let's quickly go to Critics Corner so uh, Critics Corner I'm IMDb it's currently at an eight point seven it was eight point eight yesterday so it's dropped a point in a day but that still makes it the second highest batman film at the moment um metacritic has it at 73 which is good i never understand how metacritic does paul always understood that one rotten tomatoes it has a 85 critics score and a 91 audience score and um empire because that's the only one i actually read before a film gave it a four out of five i just want to include that do we think those are good representations. I think so. Um, I, 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 I think we have to face the fact that it's not for everybody. This film, it, it, it really. If you're, if you're a, a Batman fan, then it ticks virtually every box. But I think from a kind of general audience point of view, like I say, just from what I was seeing, I'm not saying people were disengaged, but it, it, it I think it was a more challenging blockbuster 
than people might have expected and I don't mean that in an intellectual ha 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 like you've got to be really clever to understand it I don't mean that at all I just mean the style is so different to it reminded me a lot of June actually that a lot of it is quite meditative there is lots of action but it's a kind of action that it isn't isn't necessarily frenetic and and it's a lot more kind of thoughtful and introspective so I reckon I reckon like audiences will have enjoyed it and recognised it for what it is but I think I, I can't imagine like the universal acclaim that like you know the Dark Knight got and I, I mean I don't think it is a, is an, a superior film to the Dark Knight but yeah I think that's fair. I I would agree as well. The the negative as I was scrolling reviews, the quote unquote negative reviews or ones that didn't review it as well. The general theme, I feel like they kind of missed the. I think they were they were going in trying to review a blockbuster film, and this really this really wasn't. It was not a traditional film at all. Really, it was you know back to that really detective procedural crime drama, which I don't think a lot of people were expecting. I would I would agree. I think there's room for improvement. I think there's room to grow both in the characters really settling into their roles, developing them further, the world. So I, I would say it's pretty fair. I I thought it was very well done. I guess we'll go into that in our scores. So yes, and that's a beautiful segue into our final summaries and scores. So Dan. Do you want to go first and give us your final thoughts and give the film a score? So really incredible film, uh, beautifully directed, beautiful, beautiful cinematography. Uh, the cast are absolutely phenomenal. Um, but it was longer and I felt that I felt that length. Uh, I think it felt, felt it could have been trimmed down a bit. Uh, but, you know, that's that is my, minor quibbles there. Um, I think I'm going to go for an 8.5 out of 10, which is really good for me. Great. Fantastic. Thank you. Nate? I, along with Dan, there's there's so much about this that I, I've, Batman, like me and Cameron, that was one of the first things that we <laughs> became friends over was our, our love of Batman. And <laughs> I have been wanting this Batman film for a long, long time. The The dark detect he finally is a detective he's finally investigating a crime scene working following leads investigating stuff and i i agree with what a lot of us said online and what we've said it's it's not going to be what people expect it's not for every you know this isn't a summer blockbuster it's a very dark i thought you know the press leading up to release of joker was oh this is such a dark film and Joaquin Phoenix portrayal is so dark. I felt that this was darker than than that. We use that adjective a lot in films, but this this really was just a, a grimy, dark, swampy kind of film. I'm struggling to find a good adjective <laughs> for it, but it it really pulled you in and pulled you down into this level of Gotham. Um, I'm giving it an eight. I it was very very solid, very well made film. I think there were some script issues that I can't think of like you know memorable lines right now that as I as I go through it I think the the plot was was very nice very tight I think the line the lines themselves the actual script could use a bit more development but um and then I I did dock at some points for the <laughs> for the sequel bait at the end <laughs> I had it at about an 8.5 and I felt that that knocked off about a, a 0.5 of a point um it felt very out of place to the rest of the film. So I give it an eight. It's got room to, 
you know, if they continue in this vein, I think to be the definitive portrayal of, of this character. It's not there yet, but I, I think it has nowhere to go but up and out from, from here. So I give it a solid 8 out of 10. Fantastic. Okay, great. So my thoughts on this film is I loved it. I, I was so nervous in the build up to the Batman because of my love for the characters and the universe itself and because of Robert Pattinson. <laughs> I was really nervous and really scared but you know and I had such high expectations and those expectations were met to be honest with you like you guys I I loved the detective nature I loved the look and the feel how dark it felt how horror I love they leaned into the kind of the horror the horror-esque style and how the Ridley would just pop up behind people silently whilst they were completely unaware or and how fear inspiring they made the, the Batman at the beginning and in his journey we've never really seen such an arc for that for Batman before and it was a great performance I I struggled a bit with the wingsuit and some of the the lack of Batmanness um <laughs> that they do but once I thought about it more and I, I leaned into that kind of real kind of livable nature of that suit I, I grew to really like it and I grew to love how it, it, imposing it, it it made this Batman and they got the Riddler right. I've been waiting for a Riddler like this for so long and they nailed it um, with the story and with his plot and and with his end game. I thought that was fantastic. One I didn't see coming and I genuinely think this is on par for myself. This is on par with the Dark Knight. It was not better than because the joker is such a defined it's like one of those core memories from inside out for me the joker the joker was um so it's on par but i feel like if they can do a trilogy as good as this film it'll be better than the dark knight trilogy and coming from a man who worships the ground that christopher walks on that's a big <laughs> thing for me to say but yes it could be a definitive take on Batman, if not the definitive take, and I'm rooting for it. I really want them to go and lean into this fantastic direction they've taken their character. A real fresh take. We've not been stuck in the flipping. Even Batman versus Superman did the origins of Batman. <laughs> this one doesn't, and it, you know, it, it just like Spider-Man didn't do the origins of Spider-Man. Um, Homecoming, they didn't deal with him getting bit. They just dealt with him being Spider-Man, and. It's really worked, and I love the t- I love the direction, the cinematography, the music, everything about this film. I was shocked at how much I liked it. Like I said, I'm probably going to see it three or four more times in the cinema, maybe. <laughs> There's not much else coming out, so why not? <laughs> so I, I'm going to give this film a nine. Wow. Yeah, and I shocked myself with that. I don't think that Robin Pattinson is the definitive Batman yet. I just want to point that out there. Whilst I love this film, I think it is. A great Batman film. I don't think he is the, def- the, you know, up there with the best Batmen. Keaton and Bale are still above him, but if we develop Robert Pattinson more in the future projects, he could very well come up there to their level. He has the potential of growth mm-hmm. in this film, in, in this universe franchise, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, I I finally said it out loud. It's a nine. <laughs> So, if you've made it this far of the really, really long review of the Batman, congratulations, well done. We really appreciate you listening all this way. If you are listening on Spotify, you can 
become part of the conversation like we're trying for every episode this year um, and we're going to give you two questions um, for this episode so we're going to give you a poll the poll is to choose your favorite batman of all the actors who've played batman in live action films um who is your favorite you can see that that poll at the end and also answer the question of where does the batman rank amongst your list of batman films is it the greatest you've ever seen is it the worst is the dark knight still better let us know what you think um giving us your answer um so look at that for that on spotify and if you're listening on spotify we might put it on facebook as well because thank you both so much for for coming for spending a great part of your evening and afternoon talking endlessly about the batman and we'll see you in the next one bye Thank you so much for listening to this latest review by Critics on a Bus. If you haven't already, follow us on Facebook and Instagram for the latest updates on new episodes. Don't forget to leave us a review on your favourite listening platform and check out our polls and questions on Spotify to become part of the Critics Conversation. I'll see you in the next one.